This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is a hundred percent Australian owned and local. Phone one three one eight zero six. But even people who don't really follow football are finding their week has lost a shape and a punctuation as we do in Melbourne over autumn and winter. Life in lockdown here has been probably a bit different to lockdown in Australia. I think it's been interesting to compare the different approaches between Amsterdam and what I'm hearing from my friends back home. It made me think about the power of water and the positive impact it has on me when I walk beside it and so on. So I've decided I'm going to walk the waterways of Melbourne, the Yarra, the Maribyrnong, the Bay. She made a really stupid move and she wrote, sorry, not guilty, Kim Beam's fault. (laughs) Girls, you're not meant to drink when you're playing bridge. That is the last thing oh, you can do. Oh, standards have slipped clearly. How do you grow it? It's just flour and water. And you feed it every day and throw away a bit every day anyway. So it's actually the perfect business. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Hello everyone and welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. This is episode 125. I am here with my very dear friend Caroline Wilson who in a moment is going to introduce our special guest for today. How are you going, Cara? I'm very well, Corrie. How are you going? Oh, very well in these isolating times. We have a terrific show lined up today. We have good local tips as a bonus episode, of course, which will drop later on in the week. But today we're looking at uh, books and screen and Food, I think you have a wonderful recipe, an oldie but a goodie. And the tide is turning. I feel a shift in a number of attitudes across Australia, so I'm looking forward to talking to our international guest in a moment. About I am that looking too. forward to talking to our international guest. Carol, a couple of things in the housekeeping and apologies front. It's a bit of housekeeping, but also interesting again, I suppose, a GLT, our friend Jeff Slattery with his food Instagram. I gave it a plug last week, Slats G. And apparently all of these followers have jumped on board. He keeps texting me saying another three, another five. He's become very popular with his food blog or his food Instagram account. Well, I've, I've rediscovered simple flavours to the I'm, – I'm making so many recipes out of that old cookbook. So it is so dog-eared now, but it's absolutely brilliant. So good. I'm glad he's – and he's found an old recipe of mine that he sent me by text the other day. Red soup. I've got no recollection of making red soup, but it does look very nice. I'll he reckon, give it a try. He reckons that little note that he sent you and I, he reckons he wrote that in 1993. That was in my last sort of second last year year at the Sunday Age full-time before I went to 3AW. So heaven knows what I was doing. A lot of cooking, a lot of recipes between then and now. Carol, we've had some lovely feedback from customers. Can I just say firstly, all of the podcast listeners who have travelled to the bookshop in Hawksburn to buy their books, I am grateful beyond words. Um, As a small business desperate to survive in these times. I'm so uh, thrilled and humbled by your support. And everybody's dropped in to say g'day, how much they love the podcast. Thank you very much for your visiting. Jane M. Barrington has sent us a message, Caro. Another great podcast. And Dr. Nick was fantastic, referring to our special guest of last week. Thank you, Corey. We are following your lead from early last year. A small group of us are having a sponge bake-off. <laughs> Jane and I. Sorry. <laughs> I hope <laughs> I hope a rise of <laughs> Jane Barrington, they're laughing at me. I know you're not. 
Can I continue with Jane, this can I from Jane Barrington? Don't do what Corrie did. You've got to be patient. It takes a lot of beating. Sorry, Corrie. Can I just say, yes, look, it did taste a little bit like a rock, but Jane Barrington, back to you. Uh, how do you have a bake-off when you're in isolation? Jane has the answer. It's based on trust, as it can only be judged on photos. What a hoot. None of us have made a sponge before except my friend Jane. How many Janes are there in Melbourne, says Jane Barrington? And apparently her friend Jane won the 1989 Broadford Show Sponge Competition. Thanks for the idea. And what about Judy McKenzie on Facebook? She's a big fan of the podcast, including Miss Jane. Please keep the recipes coming as they have encouraged her out of her rut, cooking the same things over and over. Absolute favourites are the apple and raspberry cake. Well, that was – have we already done the apple and raspberry cake? I th- when, it, when you popped it up as today's – Recipe. I thought mm, I've well, done that before, but well, no, I know, did do it, it again. Oh, no, but I, I did it. Again. I did it a different way this time. So I'm going to talk about that. Um, Nickel thirty two on Instagram loved American Dirt as well, and and just finished the Sundown Motel by Simone St James. A very good spooky mystery. Kelly M. Martin, loving your podcast, ladies. Agree with Carol about missing all the rituals, especially the footy ones. Loved unorthodox. Found it fascinating. Unlike some in my house, as you know. Well, as we know, Kelly's husband, Lewis, is still getting over Giri Haji and the interpretive dance sequence. He should be spending more time worrying about getting foot, how football's going to yes, look Yes, ratings, Lewis. Without and, crowds. And Kelly says, we are now on to Shit's Creek, which gives us a laugh. I tried that the other night. I must say I didn't laugh. And the other thing I tried, which I turned off after about half an hour, was the tiger thing. Oh, tiger man. Oh, the tiger, tiger king. That was tiger big. King? That was big in our house, but too cruel. Too cruel to oh, the tigers. Oh, I don't. I just don't. That Carol of... Bassett or whatever her name is. Baskin. Hey, um, Baskin. Oh, <laughs> she is terrifying. Corrie, on Anzac Day dawn, did you go outside with your candle? I went outside with my cup of tea, Caro, at oh. about. Um, I suppose it was about 10 to 6, and I sat outside. The sun, I, I have a lovely view of the sunrise from my deck, and I sat there and had a contemplative moment. Well, Brendan and I went out, and it was a little bit windy, and our candles kept going out, and I just, I've got this image of me, and my, I actually wore a dressing gown. It was so cold, and I don't normally wear a dressing gown. And we had the radio playing The Last Post. Yes, I had the telly inside sitting, playing. Sitting yeah. on the car. And we're holding these candles that kept going out and we're trying to be solemn. And there was no one else in our street doing it. We were a bit disappointed. Someone said a, a bugler, bugler actually played around the corner, but I didn't hear it. We just kept relighting our candles. And anyway, there were some lovely images and it was, um, it did feel very strange though. So we're coming toward the end of April, Caro, and our April challenges. How have you been going with yours? Well, my, Are you running up a marathon at the moment? Well, I'm not running up a marathon, but I am doing a little bit of running and I'm going to continue to, continue to do so. And I'm going to attempt the four day, 4K, 4K Mother's Day walk run, but run it. Oh, good. On Mother's Day. But my daughter Rose, more of her in a moment, has put me onto this thing called Strava. So we can follow each other around the world now. So I know where she's walking and running and she knows where I'm walking and running. I forgot to turn it on yesterday, but you take photos of where you are. So it's lovely. So it's lovely to see. And you can make shapes with your walks. My husband has been a bit juvenile about some of the shapes he's tried to make with his walks. Just and imagine. Runs. My, anyway. A couple of my kids are doing that. They love it. There's a group of them and they compare notes. And as Lib said the other day, it forces you really to make sure you run. Uh, because it's quite competitive in a way because you're all reporting into one another. Now, Corrie, have you started your children's book? 
Um, no, Caro, I haven't. That was your April challenge. Uh, no, my uh, my April challenge was to cook out of Falliston. Remember, I said the children's and book right. would have to go on hold. <laughs> I want you to write this book. We're all waiting with bated breath. Oh, so are the publishers, the demands on my time, on my creativity. But I have been creative in the kitchen, Carol. I did another couple of recipes out of Falliston, so I think I've re- I've exceeded my six for the month. This is the new cookbook by Sammy Chamimi, of course, everyone. We've been raving about it. And I actually followed your Clementine's uh, lead and cooked the cauliflowers with all those yummy spices, cauliflower fritters, which were delicious. If anybody wants to see really good photographs of it, go into What's her Insta account, the food account? Clemmy Donahue. Yep, that's right? it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can see Clem's it. I yeah. should mention our, our friend Emma Quayle, who obviously is not doing much recruiting at she the moment. She cooked something. I not saw on, it on her Instagram. Not only did she cook something, but she, Corrie, has written a children's book in her isolation. From She's no longer – well, she will be a recruit again at the GWS Giants, but she's doing some writing, I think, for their website, I'm told. And I've also been told that she's written a kid's book about the Giants. So That'll be a bestseller. Well, no, Emma, well done. No, I'm jealous. No, that really comes from an awful place inside my heart. Sorry. No, well done, Emma. If Emma can write a book about the Giants in – she must have whipped it up in a month. You can write a children's book. Now, come on. Well, maybe it'll be my May challenge. But on to May challenges, Caro. I I, uh, just wanted to – I know it's not officially May yet, but I've – been really inspired by a book called Phosphorescence by Julia Baird, which actually was such a bestseller. It sold out in a week. The publishers didn't print enough. So it's due back in shops this week. And I'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. But Phosphorescence is a nonfiction memoir book of Julia Baird's. And she talks about the power of water, being beside water, swimming in water. So she's a big swimmer. She swims off um, Manly Beach, I think it is, in Sydney. And uh, every morning, rain, hail, shine, she is there swimming. And it made me think about the power of water and the positive impact it has on me when I walk beside it and so on. And in Melbourne, we're often a bit starved for waterways. So I've decided I'm going to walk the waterways of Melbourne, the Yarra, the Maribyrnong, the Bay. I haven't really ever done that walk from St Kilda to Brighton. Apparently that's really beautiful. You grew up on the Bay. Oh, yeah, but not, I haven't done the walk, like the big long walk. Oh, you know, okay. There's that big yep. sort of 6K walk or whatever yep, it is. Yep, yep, Okay. So, so that's what I'm going to do in May. I'm going, and, I'm, and I'm taking a leaf out of your book with the 10,000 steps. So I'm, I thought it's a good way to get my walking up again. So Waterways of Melbourne and a children's book. So busy. Oh, uh, my God. So many <laughs> things to do. I look forward to that, Corrie. I'm going to read Iris Murdoch's back catalogue. I've only ever read one Iris Murdoch what book. What prompted that? Oh, because I bought a beautiful second-hand copy of The Italian Girl when I was with you in Cornwall last year, and I never read it. And I picked it up the other day, and I, the only Iris Murdoch book I've read, I loved. So I'm going to start reading her. Great. She's going to be my winter, well, you know, leading into winter. Now, would you like to introduce our special guest? Yes, all the way from Amsterdam, my darling eldest child, Rose Donahue, is joining us to tell us what life is like in the pandemic city of Amsterdam. Hello, Rose. Hi, Mum and Corrie. Thanks for having me back. Oh, Rose, it's so good to have you back. Friend of the pod, world traveller, international superstar, and you have your own podcast too, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Tell us about Amsterdam life in the lockdown. Uh, Well, life in lockdown here has been probably a bit different to uh, lockdown in Australia. I think it's 
it's been interesting to compare the different approaches uh, between Amsterdam and what I'm hearing from my friends back home. But basically, we sort of, being quite an international business hub, they obviously had a lot of flights coming in and we've had a lot more cases in Australia. So Amsterdam locked down a lot earlier than than Melbourne did. Um, but it's also been a bit more lax. So we're sort of allowed to move around pretty freely and bars and restaurants are obviously closed, but lots are open for takeaways. A lot of shops are open as long as you just go in with not too many people. Um, people are having picnics, although some people feel weird about that. I'm pretty lucky. I'm working from home. It's pretty easy for me. Uh, my boyfriend, Oscar, is a teacher, so that's been sort of funny but also a bit annoying sometimes to listen to. What he's teaching uh, you. Teaching you. <laughs> no, listening to him teach the kids, which has been very chaotic at times. Uh, can you separate? Today, is, your, is, your apart- to- is your apartment or your digs there, is it big enough that you can separate the two of you, have two offices? I mean, we can we can close the sliding doors and one of us can go in the bedroom. That's about as good as it gets. Um, <laughs> so, Rose, but... you, you left our shores in uh, July, early July last year, did a lot of travelling and some beautiful walks and a bit of the Camino, a bit of Scandinavia, and you were back very briefly for one of your best friend's weddings just before Christmas, but we haven't seen you for a long time and you had a lot of plans this year that haven't really unfolded. Have there been times when you've been resentful that you're stuck in this beautiful city but you can't do anything else? Yeah, of course. I mean, from a very selfish point of view, uh, me and a lot of my friends here had a lot of summer plans. We lived through, I think it was the wettest winter of all time in Amsterdam. I think it rained for 90 days straight. I don't think I saw the sun for months. Um, and you just sort of, you're living for the summer and making all these plans, had a bunch of trips planned. And obviously all of those have gone out the window now. And we're just sort of pushing back and back when we think we're actually about going to be allowed to go anywhere. At the moment, I think it's probably going to be September, but it's a, yeah, it's a first world problem, isn't it? Not being allowed to go overseas on the weekends. You've been quite disapproving of some of the behaviour back home, haven't you? Which behaviour? Well, you, um, well, it started with the fights in the supermarket <laughs> over toilet oh, paper. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I just feel as though you've been watching some of the Australian behaviour early on and you weren't impressed. I just wonder how you think about it now. No, well, we just didn't really have that here. It's been really funny seeing the difference between the two because the panic buying wasn't really happening here. I just think that the mentality was a lot more, everyone was a lot more measured about it, basically. As you say, it is a first world problem being overseas and not being able to travel and lock down and so on. Now you have to confine yourself to your local area. And if ever anybody was going to have a true international experience and get to know their community, I guess under these sort of situations, you're, you're doing it. You'll know Amsterdam canal by canal. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think what's been keeping me sane is making sure I get out of the house first thing in the morning and going for a walk in one of the parks. And and the parks are so beautiful at the moment. It's ridiculous. It's totally spring is sprung. There are little baby ducks everywhere. Um, And at the risk of sounding like a cliche, tulips. 
tulips, wild, well, I, don't, I don't think they're wild tulips, but it looks like people have just sort of planted them randomly in the parks. Um, so they're springing up everywhere. Um, just the mood in general, when you finally get good weather, I just think everyone's a lot happier. Um, so, yeah, walking and running and listening to podcasts, like having you two in my ears a couple of times a week has definitely been one of the positives of this whole situation and working from home. What about your friend Sarah who went to that tulip farm and bought all those tulips that they sadly had to sell her for an absolute song? Didn't she take oh, them, didn't she take them yeah. to all the local houses or something? Yes, one of my best friends here ordered 200 tulips for, I think, 20 euros, uh, which is obviously a steal, and then put them all into bunches and dropped them off to her neighbours as just sort of a, a nice little good deed, which I thought was really nice. But sadly, they um, because too many people were going to visit the tulip fields, they had to just cut them all down. Yeah, I saw that on my in one of my Instagram feeds is hashtag Amsterdam because, as you know, Rose, I've been wanting to go there all my life, really, having a name like Corey and wearing clogs occasionally. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, but I did see that all of these, all of these beautiful tulips were just uh, cut, and I thought it must have something to do with no, uh, no people working in the tulip farms, no tourists, no income coming in. I didn't understand what that was all about. No, it's just to keep the tourists away because, interestingly. Amsterdam is famous for tulips, but they only they sell the bulbs, not the actual um, the actual flowers themselves in those fields are more just like a tourist attraction. And people kept coming to look at them, so they said, "That's it. We're just going to chop them all down." Oh, that's awful. I, I, yeah. we, we were going to talk a bit about the changing in in attitude. So I feel as though Rose, people are turning a bit on Jacinda Ahern, I'm really noticing that local New Zealanders and their business, you know, particularly small businesses are getting incredibly frustrated despite the good numbers there. Here in Victoria, Daniel Andrews is more and more won out against the rest of the states by refusing to reopen schools or, you know, in, in big numbers. And, and obviously the decision about golf and some of the other recreational activities have been a lot tougher here in Victoria. And Less and less am I noticing when I go on a walk that people are rudely putting their arm out to measure themselves from me. I don't know. I, Although somebody was spotted taking a photograph of a gathering outside a coffee shop, Caro, close to yours and my and Rose's heart, a gathering of them. They were all appropriately socially distanced and they were waiting for their coffee to be made, but somebody pulled up their car, a busybody type person, Glad, oh, do, do glad, we know? Glad, Gladys Kravitz type person. Do we know this person? <laughs> no, uh, history doesn't relate who it was, but I can I have a visual picture and apparently got out the phone and started snapping, saying, you're all standing too close. I don't know what she intended to do with the photographs. Do you send them to the police? Daniel Andrews, inbox? I don't, I don't, know. But I send, don't know. Send it to the Herald Sun. <laughs> I think that, um, I, I, I don't know what, what you're seeing over there, Rose, and which leaders are coming out of it well. I mean, clearly America is an utter disaster and now has one third of the corona cases in the world and I think had their millionth death. Mm. Um, Germany slackened restrictions and the numbers have gone up again. I'm a bit nervous about I'm I'm sort of happy to be in, in a tougher state than a less tough state. Carol, I'm absolutely with you there. I am risk averse on this thing. I think because having a shop and having just before we decided to close our shop, Carol, I think I told you when we were walking one day, I had this 
this day, Rose, and you've worked in the shop too. You know what a busy day is like in that rather small shop. You can get 10 or 15 people at the counter. And we had a day like that, people trying to buy their books before lockdown. And it it really freaked all of us out. Um, it, there was no sense of social distancing or responsibility at all. And that afternoon, we decided to close the shop. Um, so I think that I'm quite happy for us to stay in the state that we are. I'm quite happy that we're introducing children back to school at different stages, at, you know, different, class, different classes or however they're going to do it. And I'm quite happy that a lot of shops are remaining closed because I think this is, this, we could have a second wave and that will wipe out the economy. Well, there probably will be a second wave, whatever happens as, as winter draws upon us. Who, who's been the face of, who's your political face of corona in Amsterdam, Rose? Well, we've got the Prime Minister, Mark Rutte, who I think people have generally been pretty happy with. Um, but the Netherlands is obviously a different story to Australia. I mean, we've got we've had 4,500 people die and people generally think that's really underreported and it's probably five times that or could be five times that. Um, we've got almost 40,000 cases that are actually confirmed. But, again, we're, we're testing... Way, we're testing less than half as much as Australia is testing and many times less than countries like Italy and Spain. So I think the only thing, the thing that people are more concerned about here um, is whether the truth is actually being reported about how many people are dying or have it um, and that we're sort of living maybe a bit too laxly and that, and that we could have a, a pretty big second wave as well. But at the moment, the curve's flattening, so people, people aren't too concerned. But, yeah, it's probably the opposite over here. Rose, have they closed the borders? Yes. So um, in Europe, you're not meant to travel anywhere that you're not a, a legal resident of. And so what, tell, what about, can you just briefly tell us about Sweden where Oscar, your partner, has family? Are they still being as slack as they were about three weeks ago when we discussed it? Yes, so Oscar has two sisters living there at the moment and they're, they're going to bars and restaurants and pubs. Apparently the rule in the pubs is that you have to be sitting down when you drink, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> I could easily do that. <laughs> um, but I think time will tell with Sweden because a lot of people have been very critical of their approach. But so far, their their medical system is holding up um, and they've got amazing social security. So I think it's the sort of thing we'll only know in hindsight whether it's worked or not. But it's a pretty risky move. Uh, Sweden, is it, it, it's locked down for if you're over 70, isn't it? You can't go outside the house if you're an older person. Yes, exactly. And I think a lot of people see that as a bit unfair. Um, but these sort of Nordic countries are often, they're obviously, they're known as sort of socialist countries, but they're also very, they're just very practical and pragmatic. And that's what I've seen in the Netherlands. I mean, over here, you almost don't know what you can and can't do because it's more just use your common sense. If like the other day, a friend asked a policeman if she was allowed to sit in the park with three friends and he said, use your head. She said, but will I get a fine? And he said, just use your common sense. Well, I, I like that approach, actually. I'm sick of the nanny state. While we're talking about well, Sweden... Well, you said, no, you said you like, you like the fact that we're tougher in no, Victoria. No, I, I do. I, I do. But I, I, it's common sense to me as well. See, that's yep. my response. I, I like, I, because I'm quite risk averse, I like the fact that I, well, I suppose I don't have a choice, but I'm using my head. 
That's how I want to do it. And I don't actually it's want a government to tell other me. people to use yeah, their heads. That's right. Well, I don't want a government to tell me that I, you know, uh, that we can go out and do these things all of a sudden. I think it's up to all of us to actually be quite vigilant about this. Now, Corrie, I, um, as you know, was planning a birthday celebration in June overseas and had seen a house, a dream house, which I had put a deposit on and rented and all the family was going to join me, including Rose and Oscar. What a bugger, Rose. You missed out on that trip. I know. Well, it's... I know. I didn't... I haven't got the deposit back, so maybe it'll all happen next oh, year. Oh, no. Well, they're saying I can move it all to next year, so fingers crossed. But what's... I want to hear other people. What's been your biggest regret, apart from that, Rose, in terms of travel? Um... I, I, you know, it feels sort of silly to complain about, but we, me and a bunch of friends were training for the Edinburgh Half Marathon, which was going to be in two weeks. So we'd all booked a big house and had obviously been trying to actually get fit enough to run this half marathon. And that was going to be a really fun weekend away, but obviously marathons are a real you know, <laughs> no, 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 no right now. They're probably the most contagious pools of cesspit pools of... Uh, corona <laughs> that you could possibly <laughs> imagine. Um, so that won't be happening. Um, two of my really good friends' weddings have been cancelled, which is a bit sad, and I don't know if they're going to be able to get their, their money and their deposits back in full. Uh, those are probably the main things that that are that I regret. And then also just the idea that I can't actually go home even if I wanted to. So at the moment, getting back to Australia isn't really a possibility unless you're willing to wait a few weeks Um and pay a lot of money. But if someone I knew was to get sick, I don't think I'd actually be able to, to get there in time to be able to see them, which is a bit of a scary thought. Well, you'd have to spend two weeks in a hotel as soon as you arrive. Exactly. And by which... then it, would, it, it might be too late. So that's the only thing that makes you a bit nervous sometimes, um, even though the likelihood's low. It's uh, it's funny that you don't think about these things until you're not allowed to do them. I haven't been thinking much about travelling internationally recently because it's not on my agenda. But all of a sudden when we're told we can't travel, I keep thinking of the places I'd love to go. Carol, I keep thinking of it somewhere I'd love to go back and I possibly will never be able to again, northern Italy. All the beautiful, you know, Piedmont and around Milan and even Venice, you know, the Venice Biennale, that sort of thing. Will I ever get to that part of yes, the world again? Yes, of course you will. Well, it won't be in the next couple of years. No. I, don't th- I don't think Australians will be travelling overseas next year. I don't know whether, I don't know, I hate to dash your plans there. Can no, I'm, I'm quite um, prepared for that. But um, there's plenty of places. You know where I have never been, and I feel so embarrassed to say this, I've never been to Uluru. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, we have to do and I think I think that's what I'm going to do. And, I'm, and just get back on the road trips. Once we're allowed to travel again, I'm going to get in that car and do that New South Wales. South Coast. Yeah, well, there you know, are my so many things. Part I, I, of the world. I mean, there's, you know, you, like I was thinking the other day, a two week road trip around Tassie would just be fabulous. It always seems that you only dash over to Tassie for a couple of days or a weekend. Not, um, not at the moment. They're uh, very strict on their quarantine. Well, rules. I'm thinking future. I've always wanted to learn how to fly fish, so maybe that'll be me. A month on the road. You know, just going up north. I really see you fly fishing, to be honest. (laughs) Now, you're not the first person who said that, Rose, but in my day I used to enjoy hanging the line off. There's something about standing in the stream in your gumboots and your wellies and everything just 
you know, like the Queen Mother used to, if she can do it, surely I can, Rose. I think I think <laughs> I'd too nice or something. I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to fish or not fish off a boat. I don't I don't fancy standing in some mouldy old river with um those dreadful clo- those dreadful boots. Well, they go all the way. I up. love them. Yeah, but my friend Jill did it. They went down to Tasmania and they did a they they hired a fisherman who you know took them out and taught them how to do it. She loved it. I'm very inspired to do this. Well, speaking of um, new things, let, let's um, start with you, Rose, in terms of innovation during corona. Tell us about, apart from the fact that you work full-time as a chief copy editor for Vice, what's your new business? I love Thanks this. Thanks for the plug, Mum. <laughs> um, so I've been, I've been baking sourdough bread for a few years now, and I'm sure everyone's almost sick of talking about it because it seems like it's all anyone's been doing for the last few weeks or months during isolation, but I noticed that. And so I just started, I decided to start selling my sourdough starter, which is the, the culture that you make the bread from. Um, so I posted on a few sort of big Facebook groups that I'm a part of, like expat groups or cooking groups. And it's been amazing. I've had so many people come round picking up this starter that I've sort of just put into a jar with some instructions or I deliver it for a bit of an extra fee and um, how much do you charge for delivery? <laughs> so it's, <laughs> I mean, it's not big time money, mum, but it's it's five euros for the jar if you pick it up, or ten euros, and I'll deliver it around how do, Amsterdam. How do you grow it? Bike. How do you grow it? It's just flour and water, so it's sort of the natural yeast in the air, and you and you feed it every day and throw away a bit every day anyway. So it's actually the perfect business. And where do you keep um, your laboratory, Rose? In the bathroom. In the fridge, Corey. <laughs> I was baking so much bread that Oscar told me, asked me to stop, which I didn't expect would ever happen. But he said, we're just not eating it fast enough. Um, and I actually found some dough on the Duna cover last night. <laughs> he said that's when I knew it had gone too far. But t- now, didn't you deliver some um, sourdough starter the other day and you went to the wrong house? Oh, that was hilarious. I rocked on, knocked on the wrong door and this girl answered and I said, I'm, I've got your sourdough starter. And she said, I didn't order any sourdough starter, um, but I'd love to buy some. And then I was suddenly a door-to-door salesman. <laughs> That's great. Maybe I should try that with books. Hey, listen, you didn't order War and Peace, but it's about time you read it. Well, the best yeah, thing is... love it. But the best thing about this business, Corrie, is that it, it, it just feeds itself. Yeah, well, so to speak. I mean, on many levels, that's hilarious, Caro. Oh, I think it's wonderful. I'm really impressed. Well I've... done, Rose. So what about you, Caro? What what innovative new direction has your life taken? How does a football writer and a football commentator live and breathe and continue without football? Well, it's been fascinating, I've got to say. I mean, we footy classified went to two nights a week this year and it was seen as a bit of an experiment anyway, I thought. And after week one, when they announced that there would be no footy, or was that week one or week two of the new show, realistically, I felt, I remember talking to Matthew Lloyd about this, saying it's going to be a real struggle. We surely can't keep going with there two go shows the, a week. There go the free blow waves. And um, it just, it's last, on Monday night, we were actually throwing things out of the rundown. I watched Monday night. I know this is unusual. You'll you'll just fall off your chair, Rose. I, it's not because I don't love your mother, because you know I do, but I, I'm an early to bed person and I do find staying up for footy classified a bit of a trial. But for some reason, I was working in front of the television and up you popped. And I watched it. It seemed very busy. I thought, there's no football. How can they turn, you know, silk out of a sow's ear? Well, well, we... Um, the gift of the gab, Corey. Yeah, well, 
Matthew Lloyd and you Kane said that Corns right, not me. Have started this new series called The Lockdown, I think, and they each do a club. And I was I was badgering Matthew to do Richmond, and he did, which he did them last week. But on Monday night, we had to throw out one of the lockdown clubs because we just ran out of time. I mean, we had so much to talk about, and I think for me, obviously, I spend a lot of time talking about what goes on off the field. So. It's probably been a bit easier for me, but I have, I'm not saying I'm enjoying this time and I'm not saying I'm happy about there being no football. I loathe it. Even people who don't really follow football are are finding their week has lost a a shape and a punctuation as we do in Melbourne over autumn and winter. But I've just really enjoyed reconnecting with a lot of football presidents and CEOs and people who work at the AFL and, and people in the game in all areas, players association, players. I mean, I walked to your local village yesterday, Corrie, and spent the whole time talking to a footballer about how he was feeling about the forthcoming um, quarantine hubs. And there's a lot of disconcern dis- and worry about that. And I think a, I think there's going to be a bit of a, I think there might be an Eddie Maguire predicted mutiny. But what I'm, we just feel as though we've got through it now. We feel the show will survive all year. A lot of shows have been had to be cancelled. I mean, the front bar can't really work without an audience, whereas we've never had a live audience. The interviews on Skype have been working pretty well. We do forums now with different people on Skype and there's just a lot to talk about. And I feel I've never felt I've I've felt as excited about covering this story as I have about a story for a long time. So it's been good. Yeah, I wonder. uh, That's the interesting thing, isn't it? That And you said this last week, Caro. that we're spending more time talking on the phone and talking with people and really listening because we kind of have the time, we have the mental space, our diary's not full, we're not racing to the next thing that we have to do. And so we are connecting with people in in an important way and that's what's happening for you as a journalist, I suppose. You're just ringing old contacts and you're thrashing around ideas and stories. And well, it is it is a bit like um, Rose talking about Oscar teaching people remotely and she's. <laughs> it can get a bit... I spoke to an AFL football club person the other day. I reckon their child screamed for the entire conversation and he was... And I know that. I'm sorry about it. It's not homeschooling. It's remote learning. But I finally I said, look, do you have to go? Oh, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. It'll be, he'll be fine. Listen, champ, can you just go? Um, he screamed for 25 minutes as we're talking about this, you know, brave new world of list management. Anyway, it, it, it can be difficult, but it can be funny. And, of course, you're selling books without a shop front. Well, you do have a shop front, but... Well, we have a shop front, but we're... So, Rose, the really interesting thing, you being a former bookshop uh, staffer, you'll be really interested in this. The bookshop has changed personality completely and utterly. And I think if you're going to survive in small business in these times, you have to be nimble, really nimble and flexible. We shut the doors and we thought, well, that's it. Probably we've lost the business. But we sent it around messages and things that we're going to do free home delivery within 10 kilometres of the shop. Well, the old-fashioned ways are the best. So a bit before your time, Rosa and Miss Janes, but Carol and I can certainly remember when our mothers used to have the David Jones, or sorry, Meyer van arrive at your doorstep with a parcel or the butcher would drop the meat off at the end of the day. Well, that's what we're doing and people are loving it. Take that, Amazon, I say. So people are ringing up and so, of course, what they do is when you say, oh, yeah, we'll drop that off, you know, free of charge, no problem, they say, oh, okay, look, can I throw a couple of extra books in the parcel and a colouring book for the kids and my mother-in-law's birthday present? And wowza, off you go. And that's the day. So we're picking and packing. The shop looks like a... (laughs) It looks like, you know, a warehouse, an Amazon warehouse. We've got 
brown paper and Coco, who sadly lost her job because of this um, situation, she's now in the bookshop wrapping things. We're taking out deliveries. Every day we're going from Canterbury to Hawthorne to Essendon to wherever we're going. It's hilarious. So, you know. Go be, Yeah, it's a new new way of doing things. So, fortunately, we're still there. It's very strange times indeed. Now, um, Rose, I understand that you have a crush. And before you tell us about your crush of the week, can I just send a cheerio to our friends at Red In Energy? They are now supporting our podcast and we love them for this. Red Energy, call 131 806 for real Aussie energy. You can talk to their Melbourne-based team anytime, so give them a buzz. Rose, who's your crush? I do have a crush, um, and my crush is for reasons of lightening my week. It's Professor Peter Doherty, who is a 79-year-old Nobel Prize-winning immunologist. Um, His institute has been leading the fight to find a vaccine for coronavirus, but my crush is not for the reason you might think. Um, Peter, who was clearly craving a drink last week, accidentally tweeted Dan Murphy's opening hours. So... (laughs) He was clearly trying to Google uh, the question, but as a few of our older friends sometimes do, he made a mistake and he tweeted it out to millions of people. So the tweet obviously went viral. But the reason I have a crush on him is he just, he doubled down. He didn't even, he still hasn't deleted the tweet. Um, He just replied saying, yes, wires got crossed, too much time in front of a screen. Oh, good on him. That (laughs) is very funny. Dan Murphy must be loving that. I think Dan, Dan Murphy is, is having a frighteningly successful period at the moment. Now, Coriole, um, you've talked about red energy, so I will now. It's time for BSF for red energy. Powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, call 131806, as Corrie said, are new sponsors and we love them for it. And they're my energy supplier as well. Now, Rose, you kick off because you've got a book. I do have a book. Um, so I chose this one because I think it's, well, what we sort of all enjoy at the moment is reading something almost a little bit absurd and that takes us out of our everyday lives that have become a bit boring. Um, so you might have heard of Rachel Cusk, who does the Outline trilogy. So the yes. um, I think Outline, Transit and Kudos were the books from that series. But this is one of our older ones from 2011. It's called The Country Life. Um, I picked it up at the bookshop a couple of months ago because I'll admit I liked the the cover. All the covers are very uh, beautiful and look nice on the shelf, but it's a completely absurd, really darkly funny satire of the English country novel. It's about uh, 29-year-old Stella Benson who ditches her life in London and her husband in London to spontaneously go and work for a rich family in a little hamlet in Sussex, England, Um, their last au pair has left under very mysterious circumstances and you get the idea that Stella also has a bit of a secret past. But it's basically really funny, a little bit hard to get into at the start because it's written in this really over-the-top, sort of almost pompous language. But I found it completely hilarious, really enjoyed it, highly recommend Rose, she, uh, Rachel Cusk is taken off here in Australia, thanks largely to podcasts such as The High Low. Uh, Dolly Alderton and um, Pandora Sucks just adore her stuff. And she's finding an audience here in Melbourne. We have that book in the shop. And, Caro, weren't you reading the trilogy? Didn't you start the trilogy? I, I got as my book club KK for Christmas. I, I received Outline, which I loved. I think I spoke about it on the show earlier this year. And then This um, is completely different. You wouldn't you wouldn't believe it's the same author, Mum, when you read the style of the writing. 
it's um yeah it, it's hilarious but it's also these long sort of long-winded hyperbolic absurd sentences that just really make you laugh so she's probably just sending up the whole genre which your mother and your grandmother actually really love. Oh, well, that's no, that, that's <laughs> a really too. good, that is a good tip. Now, Corrie, you and I have fallen in love with a new series on Showcase, Foxtel Showcase. We have indeed. It's called Mrs. America and it stars uh, the wonderful Kate Blanchett, I think probably in arguably her finest role so far, as far as I'm concerned. She's fabulous. Um, so it's nine episodes. Two have gone to air on a Tuesday night. I'm sure if you don't have Foxtel, you'll be able to source this somewhere, but don't ask me because I'm not an expert in that area. But, Caro, uh, it's the true story of Phyllis Schlafly, who was a Republican conservative early 70s housewife who took on with huge commitment, the American feminist movement, led by, of course, um, Gloria Steinem and Shirley Chisholm, Betty Friedan and the like. I love it. I love this show so much. Yeah, well, the, the, the second, it's Tuesday nights, as you said. So the second one was on last night and it seems to focus on a different character. So the first week it focused on Phyllis who basically um, led the backlash against the Equal Rights Amendment. Rose, it's sort of the story of how the Equal Rights Amendment was changed. And, well, we know, we know, you know, spoiler alert, we know they eventually did get it through. But she was remarkably successful and she is brilliant in it. Jeannie Triplehorn, who plays her unmarried sister-in-law, is a brilliant character in it. Tracy Orman as Betty Friedan. Is brilliant. It's great. The music score and the... Everything about it, the graphics I just love, the opening sequences. And Rose Byrne, another Australian actor, playing Gloria Steinem. Isn't yes. she fantastic? Well, well last night, uh, Tuesday night, I should say, was Gloria Steinem and her story. And they're all really interesting, the way they centre around. And the, it, the great thing, it's a really fast-paced, snappy story. Um, when she died not so long ago, Donald Trump actually spoke, I yeah, think. Yeah, he did. At her, yeah, at that's exactly right. As, at as Phyllis's the, funeral. I read, a, I read a commentary on that in one of the New York papers over the weekend that said uh, that Donald Trump obviously had no idea of um, Schlafly's commitment to the Republican Party. Apparently his comments or his eulogy was a little lacking. But there was a great article in The New Yorker on this a couple of weeks ago, Caro, on this series and on Schlafly's contribution um, to conservative thinking, um, particularly among Republican women. And um, it was pointed out Schlafly sets out as the most dangerous type of power monger, one without power. I did. I read that article. I did read that article because I've been googling everything about her. Yeah, and how about the beautiful or once beautiful Jeannie Triplehorn, who is actually a really fine actor, plays Eleanor, who's um, is she the the, sister-in-law? That's the one I just talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Never listens to a word I say. I was too busy reading my New York article, (laughs) but I love I love her role in this too. Uh, it's just, it's a great series, really, really good. Now, uh, on to food as part of our BSF. Carol, you have a recipe which you are revisiting, we well, have to say. Well, I, I thought I must have been revisiting it. And um, our friend Annie, who is in isolation in by the sea, uh, told me she'd made it the other day, the apple and raspberry cake, which was originated, I think, by your old friend, Ali Minotti. Anyway, it is such a great cake. But what I did the other day was 
rather than use apples, I used poached quinces and plums because I had them left over. This is such a simple recipe. Miss Jane will put it on the website again. But I really... We don't have a website. It's the show notes. Show notes. One day when we have lots of money (laughs) with lots of sponsors, we'll have a website. I thought we had a website. (laughs) We're not that good yet. (laughs) On our show notes... We had 55,000 downloads in March, though, which shows that really we are... A podcast for our times, Carol. Well, you go on the world, you go online to look at our show notes. That's what I mean. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, you've been embarrassed here. I've been very embarrassed. But I've got to say, I've still got some poached quinces in the freezer left over that I poached about a month ago. I pulled them out. I had a couple of plums, which I've got to say, plums are better, I reckon, in cooking than eating. I mean, the eating. Oh, do you think? I like to eat a plum. I love a slightly sour plum. I love yeah. that. They're really good. Anyway, but what you do is you put three quarters of the cake mixture pressed into the bottom of the cake tin. Then you put the poached fruit with raspberries on top of that. And and the secret is you've really got to dry out the either stewed apple or plum or quince. You've got to really dry it out. And you don't poach the plums. You just put them on. You just peel them and slice them and put them on. Then the raspberries. And then you drop the rest of the cake mixture over the top. And the other trick is when you take it out of the oven, leave it for a good 10 minutes before you take it out of the cake tin. It is the most beautiful pudding and I really recommend it. Rose, there's been a lot of uh, quince talk in your family home over the last month or so. I've heard a lot of it on, on the podcast. The quinces have been a triumph. And another little tip about cooking, because I've been had a bit more time on my hands, I've been shelling peas again, or Brendan helped me, in fact, last night for a, a pea he's salad recipe. He's definitely in retirement if he's helping you shell peas. Oh, he was, you know, it was, I, I, it was, it was a, at the time he would have been, you know, watching the news on the TV anyway. He would have been home watching the ABC News after the Channel 7 News. But it is so much nicer to actually shell peas and eat them fresh mm, than agree. eat them. Fr- I mean, I know most of the time I use frozen or I, if I'm being really extravagant, I buy them pre-shelled. No more of that. And I, and I always had, love have putting... Have you grown them, Mum? Were they from the garden? No, but I've planted snow peas, Rosa. So um, that's going... I, I'll have to... I haven't actually planted sugar snow I can feel a family a family business coming on, Rose, with your, with your yeasty concoction happening in the fridge and Caro with her orchard out the back. It's all happening in your place. So girls, I just wanted to say thanks to Red Energy for your support. And uh, that's not why I'm grumpy, but I am grumpy. It's my turn to be grumpy this week. The yearly planner. What a waste of money that was. (laughs) I opened my diary actually yesterday, my non-existent diary. And actually, I'm glad I did because I noticed it was my good friend Rose's birthday. So I was able to is this say your happy grumpy birth- or mine? Oh, sorry, I- but isn't it funny though how tragic how tragic it is? Well, sorry. What, what is what is tragic is your friend Corey, both of you, has I fell for it. So on Instagram, somehow I got into the I was following the London Stationery Fair. I have been for a couple of years. You actually get some quite good uh, connections with greeting cards, and up came this new these two girls with this new planner, and it looked so exciting and had a leather cover and all this sort of stuff. So I sent off my money, and this arrived in about November. Well, you know how you've <laughs> got to really love your diary. You really do. I'm very tactile. It's got to be the right yep. color, right yep. shape, and everything. It uh, it was not for me. And it was, I thought it was a day a page, which is what I need, and it was a week a page. So I had to put this expensive diary to one side, just going, planner, I'm not there. So I then found well, a really Corey, fabulous you're lucky one. that coronavirus has happened. Well, then. no, no, the story gets worse here, Rose. So then I went to Office Works and I found the perfect planner for me. It had 
all sorts of, you know, things like it, tracking budgets, recording your expenses, writing down your daily objectives, tasks, all that sort of stuff. $54. $54 I spent. And do you know what? At the, in the middle of March, I haven't picked it up. I mean, why would you? Corey, Corey can I give you a good local tip? Every year I wait until February to buy mine. And it's always 50% off. You tight ass, Rose. No, but there's never – the good ones aren't left. Somebody else said that to me when I was lamenting about this London Express in the post terrible thing that arrived. And someone said, oh, why don't you just wait till the middle of the year and then you can just get a cheap one. I went, oh, are you serious? I can't no, live like well, that. the middle of the year is crazy, but I get the same moleskin one every year. Um, and I'm quite fussy with it too. I like a very specific one and I always get it 50% off in February. <laughs> well, anyway, look, it, Valet the Diary, it just seems to be one of those non-events. Now, on to... I think you should be grumpy at yourself for spending $54. Well, that's what I am. No, I am grumpy. I'm not grumpy at the general diary industry. I'm really annoyed with myself. Um, six quick questions. So, Rose, I'd like to kick one off with you. What's your favourite Amsterdam gallery or museum? Well, it's a painful question at the moment, Corrie, because we won't be allowed to go to them for a while. But mine's definitely the modern art museum here called the Stadelijk. Um, And it's worth Googling because it's really cool. It's this amazing old building that they've added a modern extension to that's essentially a giant bathtub. So they look pretty weird together. It's old sort of beautiful old brick building with a a modern new sort of bathtub hanging off it. But I'll take you there one day if you ever get over here. Please do. Well, having just finished the third episode of Van der Volk, I am, I mean, if ever there was a girl who needed to go to Amsterdam, it is me. It went off the rails in the last two episodes, didn't it? Oh, no, I liked the third episode. I loved the vlogging. Now, Corrie, have you downloaded the Coronavirus app? Yes, I have. Good girl. And so should everybody. Good girl. What's the latest on the 2020 grand final? Will we be having one? Will there be a crowd? Yes, I believe we will have one. No, there won't be a crowd. I'm certain that foot... Well, I'm nearly certain, although the AFL haven't quite given up on maybe 20,000 people at an MCG and they're doing the sort of... um, what is it, logistical experiment looking at that now, but I don't think it'll happen. My tip is the end of October... In fact, uh, we spoke on Footy Classified to the Victorian um, Sports Minister and he was, Martin Pakula, and he was saying that um, probably, well, he didn't say this, but it's probably going to be on what would have been Derby Day and maybe Derby Day, I mean, it's not going to be a big issue because there won't be crowds anywhere, but maybe they might move Derby Day to Sunday would be my prediction. And how long's the season going to be? Well, we don't know. Well, the grand final will be at the end of October. Yeah, but we don't know how long the season itself will be. Cause we well, don't know yes, really we do, it's... because we know it's going to be 17 games and we've already had one round, 17 rounds. We've already had one, so 16 more rounds played in a condensed version. So you'll have um, five or six days a week of footy rather than four days a week of footy. Oh, rush, rush, rush. Well, that yeah, but the season will be what it is. It starts, at, I reckon it'll start at the end of June and end at the end of October. Rose, which, I hope you're going to say something of mine, which good old home cooked meal do you most miss? Probably something of Jules and not mine. There's a Dorothy Dixer in there. (laughs) I was going to suck up mum and say something by you because I feel like it's going to be a while before I can have one of your meals, but I think when it actually happens, you'll probably pull out all the stops. And now you have to because I've said that. Yeah, you do. But can you name one, please? Your salmon, your crusted salmon with the sort of what it's like the salsa verde crust on top oh, followed yep. by one of your crumbles. 
Oh, yum. I'll be there. Um, Quick my, thinking, Rose. Well done. Caro, <laughs> you're playing a bit of online bridge at the moment. Any scandals of misadventures or any ladies slapping the hands virtually of other people? Or? No, but look, it's good. I'm, I'm playing it. There are ones you can play where you can see each other as well, but we're just doing one um, on a, a site called BBO, Bridge Base Online, and so you can write little messages to each other down the side and occasionally screens freeze and people disappear. And um, we found some, we found something the other day that some other people were playing and um, she made a really stupid move and she wrote, sorry, not guilty, Jim Beam's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so people are, and you'll, you'll play for a couple of hours and someone will go, look, got to go, it's time to make a martini. And someone else will say, are you kidding? I poured a Pinot, you know, half an hour ago. I'm going, Girls, you're not meant to drink when you're playing bridge. That is the last thing oh, you can do. Oh, standards have slipped, clearly. Corrie, 40 years next month since the original Blues Brothers movie premiered in America. What is your favourite track from the movie? It has to be the Aretha Franklin Think Caro, when Jake and Elroy Blues arrive at the cafe owned by Aretha and her husband, and the husband actually is a fabulous guitarist in real life, Matt Guitar Murphy, who died a couple of years ago. But um, they arrive and they say, come on, you're off with us. We've got to save the orphanage. And Aretha is just going, you're not going anywhere, honey. You know, think what you're doing to me. Uh, We have a little sound grab right here just to remind us. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. You better think, think. Love that, love that. So that would be my favourite no, one. Call. Rose, we've loved having you. Would you like to join us for GLT or is it bedtime for you? Oh, it is midnight here, but I've got my red wine in a mug, so why not? Well, uh, Potties, you can listen to our extra episode, our GLT, in a couple of days. But, uh, Rose, thank you very much for joining us today. It's so lovely to see you, even if it is just on a screen. You look really good. You don't look like you've bulked up with eating all that sourdough bread. (laughs) Thanks, Corey. It's all the riding around to deliver it. Yeah, I suppose that's good. Thank you to Red Energy, who are our official podcast supporters, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Red Energy is powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for Real Aussie Energy. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for your feedback and your comments. You can contact us through all the usual ways. And, of course, email us, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Keep listening to our GLT bonus episode, as I said. Thank you, Miss Jane. And, Carol, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. This podcast is supported by Red Energy. Powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, Red is 100% Australian-owned and local. Phone 131 806.